following is a production of DallasCowboys.com and the Dallas Cowboys Football Club. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! Let's go, baby! Are you ready for a break? Uh, yes. Are you ready for a break? Absolutely. Ready for a break? Yeah, and um, so much for that. It's time for The Break on DallasCowboys.com. We were on the break! With Nick Eatman, David Hellman, Ambar Garcia, and Derek Eagleton. It is Tuesday, September 22nd, 2020, Season 16, Episode number 28. Welcome to another edition of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. Got Dave and Amber in their home uh, setups as well. And uh, we got about 45 minutes of Cowboys talk with you guys today. It is Tuesday, so it is a big picture day. We're going to look at a couple different items around this team and give you some opinions on what we think of the team overall. Some areas of concern is really where we're going to focus. Um, and they're particularly to some, they're particular to some areas that we didn't get a chance to talk about yesterday uh, on the show as we were recapping the game. Um, and so let's, let's jump right in. I guess the first uh, position I want to bring up that was going into this game an area of concern, and I'll be interested to see if you guys still feel the same level of concern, is the offensive tackle position. Uh, Dak was only sacked one time in this game. It was a first quarter blitz, and that uh, led to the sack fumble. And as far as I can tell from rewatching it, it looked like Zeke was, was maybe more the culprit. Maybe you can make the case that Connor Williams should have blocked down and that guy shouldn't have been released up the middle. Either way, it wasn't the tackles, I don't think, that were involved in that particular situation. That being said, how do you assess the play of the two offensive tackles from Sunday's game, Terrence Steele and Brandon Knight? Nick, let's start with you. Well, I thought they struggled early. Um, and I, th- I think this, those numbers are deceiving a little. I think Dak was running for his life. I think that's why Dalton Schultz had so many catches, uh, just because he's had to get the ball out quick. Um, they did settle down. I thought they did a better job. Terrence Steele, that's twice now. He's kind of settled down later in the game. Um, but, you know, you got to hold on for one more game here and that Lyell should come back uh, after that. And I think Tyron could come back this week. So I, I, my level of concern is lower than it was because they were able to win a game. I mean, think about that. When has a team ever put up 500 yards, uh, 550 yards or whatever, with both tackles starting just their second game ever? I thought that was in, that was interesting. Amber, what do you think? Honestly, I'm way less concerned than I initially was prior to going into the game. Uh, I think they they did a good job. Honestly, I think they handled what they needed to handle. Yes, there were some mistakes, but at the same time, for example, the penalty it was unfortunate, but. You know, like even Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, they have gotten penalties in the past. So it, it, it happens. It happens. Uh, you don't want them to, the opposing team to score on you uh, from a penalty. But uh, it, it's just part of the game. I think that th- they did as best as they could as backups. So I'm definitely not as concerned, especially knowing that it won't be for the rest of the year. You know, if they was for the whole season, then maybe we got a problem here. But at this, uh, but right now, knowing that Lael and Tyron are going to be coming back, I, I think I'm okay. Dave, how did you assess Steele and Knight? I feel a little vindicated by uh, Brandon Knight's success. I mean, I feel like, you know, me and... Me and Nick have been driving that train a little bit, you know, back heading into training camp. I was surprised that he didn't get the first look against the Rams at right tackle. 
Um, so, yeah, I thought they played really well given the circumstances. Now, you wouldn't prefer it. Uh, Dak not only was running for his life and had to check down to Dalton Schultz a few times. I mean, he got he got rocked even on some completions. The long ball to Cooper, he took a pretty nasty shot, which obviously he's a tough guy. Um, so do I want that for a ton of games? Not really. But, um, you know, Seattle's pass rush has been struggling through two weeks. So, you know, it's nice to think that if you have to do that again this weekend, you might be able to survive it. I thought, I mean, they played well enough that you can survive it, obviously. Yeah, it's getting really scary how much the two of you guys are thinking alike. Like, mm-hmm. this is this is happening way too frequently that Dave and Nick are agree. agreeing on things. Like, that's not the fun of this show. Y'all need to be at odds about something, right? Yeah. All right, Nick we'll has find, this look we'll on his face like, what's this? About. Oh, okay. Here we go. No, <laughs> well, I, I don't I do know. Real, I, go ahead. I don't know. Well, Amber's be, Amber's doing a good job of taking the other hey, side. I, I, well, Amber's always going to be Amber. That's that one thing role. we know about AG. Hey, if you want me to play that role, I can play that role. <laughs> I can argue the other way. Did you see that play where Dak had to go out to the tent and get tended by the medical staff? Mm-hmm. And yeah. then we had to see Andy Dalton go into the game. That's a big worry because it could have gone bad. And maybe we're talking about a different story here for the rest of the year. So I guess you can argue the well, other way. That was that was a pretty that was a pretty cheap shot by my guy Dion Jones. I yeah, mean that was, was a rollout and he hit him pretty late after the throw. So Dak took a lot of shots and his protection was not amazing, but I, that that play is not on the tackles though. I guess the point I'm making and, and that I would make is the fact that these guys, as you said, Nick, these was this was their second start for both of them. These are undrafted guys. Mm-hmm. And the fact that you ended, only ended up giving up one sack. I know Dak is amazing. But still, you had two tackles who were starting an NFL game for only the, the first second time in their careers and were undrafted players. That says something about the level of play. And, by the way, I think we got to give a little bit of deference there to the coaches as well because part of – being able to protect your quarterback in those kind of situations is what are you doing? How are you running the offense? What kind of plays are you running? How do you keep the defense off balance so that you can't just take advantage of those two positions? So I think all that stuff matters, and I think you've got to give credit to these tackles and to these coaches. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, real quick, Dave, uh, I want to get uh, – I, I assume you listened to Jerry this morning on the fan. I'd love to know what, you, what you're hearing right now as far as the – you know, where they are with Tyrant and, uh, and maybe where they are with Lyell, if you've heard anything more on Lyell and when he's expected back. Yeah, uh, well, not so much Lyell. I mean, we know he can't play Sunday. Yep. Uh, I'll be interested to see how quickly – you know. He's eligible to come off IR after the Seahawks game. That doesn't necessarily mean he will. So we probably need to start putting some lines in the water about that. Um, Tyron, Jerry said something pretty interesting, which, you know, maybe isn't a huge surprise, but he basically said, like, you know, if, if we were just determined come hell or high water to play Tyron, we probably could have done it on Sunday. But we held him out in the interest of having him better for the long term whether that's seattle or just moving down the season it is it's stingers which actually ironically enough he suffered a really bad stinger against atlanta in 2018 uh the other one that they won at the end with a field goal uh so this has been a thing for him and and i'm sure he's he's not feeling great so they held him out in the interest of all right by not asking you to play on this on three days rest hopefully we can get it to settle down enough to where it doesn't bother you all season long. Um, Steven Jones said yesterday, he in the same sentence, he said, we think Tyron's got a great shot to play Sunday, 
we also think he's a game-time decision. So those two ideas don't really mesh. Uh, So, I mean, it it sounds like it's going to be another week of watching the injury report. But it is interesting to think that, you know, they're obviously making these decisions with an eye on the entire schedule and not just a week-to-week basis. And and I think it helps that Steele and Knight practice last week and that will probably be the case this week too i, I would imagine that they're going to get a lot of practice reps uh even if tyron is is supposed to play i don't know if he'll need to be out there a lot so i would imagine those two guys are going to get a lot of snaps and that all being said i'll to go to amber first on this one what is your level are you more comfortable going into this game if you have to start steel and night than you were say last week based upon what you saw in the game against the falcons for sure, because prior to the game, like I said earlier, I, I my level of concern was very, very high. And going into this game, I think that, one, you expect every player to get better as they play games. So I think that that game last weekend was, was just a perfect practice time to get better in real game action rather than just practicing. So I, I, I expect them to to be able to hold up and even if Tyron comes back in and I and I wonder I mean do if he does come back in do they let him play all throughout the game or do they try to ease him in and rotate him so uh, I do feel more comfortable but it's still always an area of concern when when you don't have the old all pro players that you are used to having Nick you feel more comfortable yeah and I'll answer to that part. I mean, I think if he comes back, I don't believe there'll be any rotating. Uh, I, I, I just don't think they do that with, with tackles with, with him. Now, I mean, it, it makes sense, though. It's really is the only position where you don't do that. You don't, like, rotate in, I guess, quarterback Offensive as well. Yeah. Um, but, I, you know, I, I think it's it, this is a very interesting dilemma that they're in because it's just early in the season to be battling with this and you know it's going to be something that they have to deal with and their bye week is way down the road here so uh, yeah I feel more comfortable I mean the more steel and night play I would feel more comfortable with night I, I just feel like he's going to fight you he's just, he wants to like turn it into a fist fight if he can and I think that he might have some limitations athletically but I think that that guy will, will get the job done too and you know pride takes over and all that stuff I think he, he's a pretty I think he's turned into a pretty good player. You made the comparison a couple, I mean, maybe been last week, between him and Mark Colombo. I'm starting to see that too. Yeah. Like that's the that's the mo on Mark Colombo. Although Mark Colombo was a much higher pick, I mean, first round yeah. pick, and so he had a lot more pedigree coming in. But it's that type of mentality where he was just going to brawl with you for 60 minutes, and that's just kind of how I he played football. I even asked him that after the game um, night. I asked him about being a, a like a barroom brawler. He was yeah. like, Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I like to do. I want to brawl with you. I'm like, okay, okay. we'll okay. take that. All right. Dave, you feel more comfortable? I don't want to steal a segment from our Thursday show when we talk about the Seahawks, but if there's a team where you're going to be compromised to tackle, this is probably the one. Like These, these guys don't have edge rushers, which I know that's famous last words because as soon as you say that, <laughs> right. they're going to have five sacks. But, I mean, their fan base was – their fan base was clamoring all offseason for Clowney and Everson Griffin. Ironically, Everson Griffin winds up here. Uh, they, I mean, they don't have a proven guy. Their, their DPR, um, Bruce Irvin, tore his ACL the other night, so yeah. they don't have him. It's, 
Our old our old friend Benson Mayowa is oh. their most proven pass rusher right now. Oh. So yeah. if if you're gonna be compromised to tackle, this is a favorable game to be doing it. Uh now week four when Miles Garrett comes to town, mm. I'm starting to get nervous. <laughs> but in this game, so I feel all right. <laughs> Yeah, no, the big difference between whatever they got right now and Miles Garrett, I think he's one of the premier pass rushers, young pass rushers in this league. All right, we're going to take an early quick break. When we come back, I want to jump into this defense. We got a lot to talk about on the defense. We're going to talk about both the pass rush and we're going to talk about the secondary, but we'll do that when we come back. This is DallasCowboys.com radio. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys? Jack Black. Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. It's funny. As we travel places, often we find the places we want to travel aren't really places at all. They're people. They're grandparents, moms, old friends, and new nephews. That's why at American Airlines, we've been using enhanced cleaning measures so you can feel confident every step until you get to them. So as always, our people can't wait to take you to yours. American Airlines, you are why we fly. Back to the break. You're looking for something to change up your dinner routine? Help support local Frisco businesses by choosing one of the Star District restaurants. For more information on delivery, takeout, curbside pickup, and dine-in availability, visit thestardistrict.com. Welcome back. It is the second segment of The Break. We are live from the SWBC Mortgage Studios at the Star. And uh, we're talking about areas of concern today. Uh, We talked about the offensive tackles. I think we all came away feeling... A little bit better this week than we may have felt going into the game. Now let's flip over to the defense, where they've had some some real issues um, at times in games. For the most part, I would think throughout most both of the games they've played, I don't think we would necessarily say they've had a great start here to the season. That being said, uh, I looked at just some of the moments in that game this last week 
where particularly the secondary had some issues. You look at the 42-yard pass to Hayden Hurst where he was wide open down the field. looked like there was a mix-up between the safety and the linebacker on who was going to get him. Nobody seemed to figure that out, and he's wide open down the field for a touchdown. You had uh, Cheeto being beat on the 22-yard touchdown to Calvin Ridley. You had Jordan being beat on the three-yard touchdown to Ridley again. Uh, Cheeto got beat by Julio and then missed the tackle that gave up the 19-yard gain to Julio. Um, and that ends up leading to uh, a touchdown. That all being said, how do you assess the play of the secondary? And I want you to take two weeks in total looking at what they did first against the Rams and then what happened against the uh, the Falcons and tell me how you assess the secondary. Nick, let's start with you. I think it's been okay. Uh, I think it's been exposed because when we get to the – when we get to the part in your little book there about about the defensive line, that'll be bad. Um, Is that what you're thinking when you were reading that? Ah, keep scrolling. I'm like, ah, you need to write a book um, every day. Um, Sorry, but I do believe that uh, it's been okay. I just feel like that they're having a hard time with no pass rush. I mean, yeah. that secondary, those guys. Oh, we're gonna get there. Yeah, th- right, they need a pass rush, and they're not good enough to be chasing Julio Jones and Ridley around all day long. All right, Amber, what you got? That's exactly what I was going to (laughs) say. I hate to just keep agreeing with, especially Nick, but (laughs) Dave and I are usually kind of on the same page. But, no, that's exactly what I think. They've they've been just okay. They've made a lot of mistakes here and there, um, big ones that cost the Cowboys. But uh, at the same time, I feel that, I'm more concerned about the pass rush and what they're doing there. Uh, and, you know, Derek, you kept saying this is where, where we're going to get all this help for the secondary, but it hasn't happened, honestly. And as far as Jordan Lewis, uh, it was disappointing to see him give up that, that touchdown play. I always expect him to play better, and he's played better, but I think that's also just a product of him not being able to have a, a full training camp and, and just being out there practicing enough times. But uh, And also, I am. Cons- have you guys heard anything about Cheeto and the injury? I know he, he like walked out of the game with some hamstring, hamstring issue there. Yeah, he, he left at the very end with a hammy. Um, you know, Mike McCarthy has made it pretty clear he he doesn't love talking specifics. So I I really don't know the severity of it. Um, obviously, the injury report will be out tomorrow. Yeah, well, Good. we'll see how that how severe that is. But it, it just another thing, another thing to add to the defense and the and their secondary. Dave, how do you assess the secondary? I'll I'll go against the grain a little bit because I feel like. I'm always the guy, you know, I hate to say making excuses, but I'm usually the guy that's defending DBs because it's such a hard position to play. And, you know, people tend to hold the losses in, you know, they hold it over your head and never credit the successes. So, like, I'm I'm never going to criticize a guy. Like, if the coverage is good and you give to Van Jefferson just a beautifully thrown ball, I'm not going to kill you for that. I thought uh, Calvin Ridley's first touchdown – uh, Cheeto was he was like one step from you know he dives and reaches and he was like one step from breaking it up I'm not gonna kill a guy for that either like it's a hard position but what troubles you is the busts like I mean come on guys Hayden Hurst is a first round pick the Falcons traded for him to replace Hooper he's gonna be a focal point of their offense 
and you they just lost him. Like I mean, you can't you can't give up touchdowns in the NFL where the guy scoring doesn't have anyone around him. So that and again, you know, um, the the play on the goal line where Jordan seemed to lose his man as well. I think that was Ridley's second touchdown. Mm-hmm. That's the stuff you can't you got to clean that up uh, because you're going to give up plays when the coverage is good. That's the nature of the game right now. You just so I mean to have three big busts where people just didn't know what they were doing in the same game. That that's what troubles you, and that's going to get you beat when you don't put together a miracle in the fourth quarter yeah I will say this um, of all those problems and by the way I do think they're all problems uh, of all those problems though what I've seen from Diggs over the first two weeks gets me really excited about him as a cornerback for this team because uh, I was telling my wife this about the the play that he broke up uh, with Julio downfield Uh, to me I look at that and I'm like yeah he didn't necessarily make that interception but I, I think just if you watch the way that he was able to recover and get in position to actually break it up, it was a a really, really great play. If he gets to the point, and by the way, one of the things that that they liked about him is he is a guy that actually can catch. I know these first two weeks he's had two opportunities and he hasn't come up with either one of them. But once he gets that part down, I I think I'm seeing things right now that suggest he's going to be a really good player. That doesn't mean he's not going to get beat. And as you were saying, Dave, cornerbacks get beat. That's a part of it. You're not going to beat. These are NFL wide receivers. A lot of them are really good wide receivers. You're not going to win every time. But if you can win some of the time, and if some of those times you can turn the ball over, then that's when you step into that that elite level of cornerbacks in this league. And I'm starting to see some things that makes me think he has a shot at that. Whether he gets there or not, I'm not quite sure. But I do think he has a shot at being one of those better upper-end upper uh, cornerbacks in the NFL. You know, if, if Cheeto doesn't play this week, which that could be you know a big concern, obviously, because you already got Anthony Brown on injured reserve. Uh, you just have Jordan Lewis coming back, Diggs. I mean, I think you have to throw in Brandon Carr in, back into the cornerback Corner, yeah. mix there, even though they've got him listed on the depth chart at safety. Uh, not that that not that they haven't changed the depth chart around already on us, but I, <laughs> I think that he could he could definitely. Move. I mean, I'm not ready to put Reggie Robinson out there on Tyler Lockett and that beast from Ole Miss. What's his name? Oof, mm. uh, Metcalf. Yikes. God. I mean, he's yeah, just he, a, he's he a tight end running deep routes is what he is. Yeah. Guys, sick. Yeah, I, I, we didn't talk about Anthony Brown. What what is that injury? Like he almost just kind of crept up, and all of a sudden he's on IR. Like is he is this one of those that's IR to return in three weeks? The expectation, or is this like IR for the season? Like what's what's the deal? I mean, ribs ribs for three weeks. Like what happened in in practice? Is he fighting Apollo Creed? I mean, like what what happened? (laughs) I I don't know. Seriously, like how do I don't know? I don't know what's going on with just with just IR out out for three three games. It's kind of crept up. Did you did you guys know anything That's, about that last week, or that did that really was it no. that surprising to you guys? As it was to me. No. Well, I, I he he showed up on the injury report on Friday, but yeah. I mean, guys guys get dinged up in practice. Like like if if fans could see practice and see how you know it's still football. Like guys go down. Like fans would mm-hmm. have panic attacks every day. So you see, you know, I saw Anthony Brown pop up on the injury report on Friday. And I was like, oh, he probably took a helmet to the right. ribs or something, whatever. <laughs> but but he goes on IR, and the thing that makes it tricky is, typically, 
you only get a couple guys that you're allowed to bring back. So, you you know, you can ask people and say, well, you know, is this a designated to return? They don't have to do that this year. Yeah. So as of right now, I'm not sure of the severity. Obviously, it means A.B. will be gone at least until, you know, he can't come back until after week five. Um, and I would like to think, I mean, rib injuries, you're, you, you would like to think unless he just absolutely broke a bunch of his ribs, you would think it's, you know, a three to six week injury, I guess. So I lean toward thinking he'll be back, but, you know, not any time to help him against Russell Wilson, unfortunately. All right, let's move on to the front end of the defense. Cowboys were able to get one sack this last game. Everson Griffin gets that sack. It was a uh, time in the game when I think they really needed it. Yeah, so uh, it was a big play for him and for this defense. That all being said, I have a quick, uh, basically a very simple question for you guys. What's wrong with the pass rush? Because I think we all expected more at this point. Amber, let's start with you. What's wrong with this pass rush? Sure. <laughs> I wish I knew what was wrong with the pass <laughs> rush. Jeez. And I wish they knew because, uh, again, big, big expectations for this pass rush. A lot of talent there. And unfortunately, they're just not being able to get the job done. And honestly, I don't know what exactly is happening. We talk about Demarcus Lawrence, a guy that you keep seeing fans asking about him and what's going on why is he not playing at the level he should be playing at and again that was another question last year but this year specifically my concern is that you you always talk about when you got a great guy you expect him even if he's getting blocked you expect that person to be able to create more opportunities for the rest of the line and that's not happening there are several guys that are very talented guys but at the same time i'm not being able to see any other opportunities being created for the other guys in the line so i i I wish i knew exactly what the problem was but i don't and and it, it, it is very concerning for me because i was expecting a lot more and i was expecting because of everything i hear from Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones, how oh we we trust that the uh, defensive line is going to be able to help our secondary. Well, I'm sorry, but it's not happening. So I hope they're they're able to fix it pretty soon. And I still don't know what's happening with Demarcus Lawrence as far as the injury because I know he I, I saw the report that he came out of the game. Um, I forgot what they were looking at. I, I don't His remember knee. the knee. So hopefully that, that's not something that we see tomorrow pop up and then here we are with a bigger problem uh, of injuries added up to the list of guys that are injured, key guys that are injured for, for these upcoming games. But, um, yeah, I hope Dave and Nick have better answers. Uh, well, according us, uh, <laughs> go ahead. I was just going to say, according to Jerry Jones, he said this morning on his radio call, that as far as his health, Demarcus Lawrence is fine. He said he may be nicked up a little bit, but his health is fine. Uh, this is not a situation where he feels like Demarcus Lawrence is injured to the point where he can't play and can't play well. Hmm. Um, that that well, was here, again; those the are the words for, of Jerry. Hmm. But but you know, for example, you hear of certain injuries. For example, Chris Jones. I, I was just recently finding out this year about the injury that he was dealing with last year, and that he was playing. And even though there is. The, obviously very different positions here but you hear it all the time about guys that are dealing with certain type of injury and although they're they're still able to play it does it does affect them in the game and the level that they're able to perform so uh even though he might be fine to play into the game i'm still that's going to be in the back of my mind as to 
how well he can deal with that injury during an actual game. This reminds me of the movie The Program, where the coach walks up to the, the player and says, are you injured or are you hurt? Because guess what? In football, everybody's hurt. Like That's just the nature of playing football. You're going to be hurt. Injured means you can't play. And it sounds like right here what Jerry at least is saying is that DeMarcus is hurt, not injured. Hurt. That, Go movie, ahead, Dave. that movie came out in 93, so you and I got that. I don't know. Dave's seen that. Haven't Dave's you, Dave? Seen I, I, I've... Yeah, I've, I've, I mean, and I've heard, I've heard the line. I've heard all of that stuff. I, I was gonna say, I love it. It's a, it's a fun, interesting paradox. Is you know, everybody gets dinged up, everybody's dealing with something. Number one, teams don't want to talk about it because they don't want to give away, you know, things that might compromise them. And two, guys know they got to gut through it. But then when they take criticism, it's like, well, I, I'm dealing with this, this, yeah. that, and the other. And it's like, well, either you play what do you want me you to do? Yeah. All I can do is comment on what I'm watching. Yeah. Actually, no, I think it's, it's very, very interesting timing uh, that we're talking about this because Everson Griffin has actually been weighing in <laughs> on it on Twitter this morning. How did that yeah, blow no, up? I'm, and no, I'm, this is... This is actually interesting. Like, I, I love this response. So, you know, our good friend Jeff Cavanaugh was watching the game this morning, and he said, you know, Everson Griffin really hasn't been playing well. And Everson took exception to it. And I actually appreciate, rather than just... He actually kind of gave some detail in these Twitter replies. So I'm reading from him. He said, you know, he says, I get that it's week two. How many injuries were there in the league last Sunday? Kind of referring to the fact that, you know, it's a short preseason, lack of practice time. He says, let's talk about playing well at the end of the year instead of week two. I get that everyone has a job to do, but in this unique year of football, it's all about the trend line, which I think is really interesting. So if you're asking what's wrong with the pass rush, it's probably, I mean, it sounds like an excuse, but it, it seems like it holds water that they haven't had a lot of time to work together. Everson Griffin didn't start practicing until eight days before the end of training camp. I guess Tank has, has something bothering his knee. And, and even Mike Nolan said yesterday in his uh, availability with the media, mm -hmm. uh, he said, you know, our pass rush needs to get better as, at working together as one unit. Not just guys winning individual matchups, but kind of working as a cohesive group. And when you think about the complete lack of playing time that these guys have had together, it makes sense that they're not in sync. And now the flip side of that coin is, guess what? Nobody cares. Nobody cares about any of that because y'all are all big names and you're, play, you're paid very well and you got to get to the quarterback. And you didn't do it very well against a very slow quarterback in Matt Ryan. So how am I supposed to have confidence that you're going to do it against Houdini? Because that's what Russell Wilson <laughs> is. Um, so I, I get where Everson Griffin is coming from and I understand that there are a lot of factors getting in the way of just hitting the ground running. I bet they'll be a lot better in week 10 than they are right now, but that doesn't matter. You got to find ways to win football games and sacking the quarterback is a big part of that. So that was a mouthful, but I think I covered it. No, and I think it also comes with the territory when you are highly paid, when you are when expectations are really high, you look at that those pass rushers, I think we all watching during training camp believed that that was going to be the strength of that defense. And if the defense was going to be any way better than it was last year, it was going to be because of those three guys in particular. And so there is an expectation. And I think, be honest with you, when they want when they want more money, they they throw it out there that they're those kinds of players. So I think you can't have it both ways. You gotta have to you have to step up to the occasion when it when it's time to, to perform. Nick, what what do you think of this pass rush? Um, I think I got asked on Twitter in the game, where's this pass rush? And I 
I said Frisco. I mean, that's that's the Ford Center. And you left it in Frisco. That's yeah. where that's where it was. That's where we saw it, and that's where they were. There was yeah. in, I haven't seen it since then. Uh, I am I am glad that the tweet that I was about to fire off that said I thought they signed Everson Griffin. Uh, I didn't do that. I decided not to do that in the middle of the game. It was like midway through the third quarter. I was like, I thought they signed Everson Griffin. But then I was like, nah, it's fine. Because he'll probably come up with a big play. I even thought that. And yeah. Thankfully, he did. Um, but, um, I, you know, the, I think Amber and Dave are right about all all that. All that they said. I mean, it's just this. it's on them. This is, this is what they keep adding to. Uh, yeah, it would have been nice to have Gerald McCoy. You know, I, I think he would help there in the middle because I think the best guy that is getting back there is Tristan Hill. Now, he's not doing a lot with it, but I see him back there a lot. He's disruptive is he what is. he is, and that's what you want there in the middle. You want somebody that's disruptive. Yeah, so it, they, they've got to get better. I mean, uh, I thought what Jerry Jones said, if he said that on the radio today, I think that's – I think it's a message. I mean, I, I think Jerry would – would not say it that way if he wasn't trying to say he's fine. He might have a little bit here and there, but he's fine. Yeah, and he's probably thinking about his checkbook there, and he's he's fine. He needs to be out there. Playing. Go get it. Yeah. yeah. All right, we're gonna take our final break. When we come back, I want to talk. Say, go ahead, Nick. go ahead, Amber. I was just gonna ask, who would you say is the best defensive player currently on the whole defense? Alden Smith. Have? Easy. For, to me. Which I, I was gonna say. The irony, the irony of me saying that the pass rush will be a lot better in Week 10 than it is right now is that a guy who hasn't played since 2015 is the best defender on this team right mm-hmm. now. Like, there's, I don't even think it's tough. Yeah, I don't to think it's even that. close. I don't even think it's close. Nick? Nah, I mean, yeah, it's probably it's probably Alden Smith. Yeah, but I mean, I don't know. I think it'll be Jalen Smith when it's all said and done. Huh? Yeah, Jay, what was that? What? You I said. think it'll be Jalen Smith when it's all said and done. Swipe, He's going to be the best player in this defense this year. Swipey McGee. Yep. <laughs> Swipey. I saw a swipe. He, he got he got I, one I in saw, the other day. I saw it too. And uh, by the way, I'm not saying I don't think Jalen can get better as the season goes on, but I don't see anything right now that suggests to me that by the end of the season he'll be better than Alden Smith. He'll be better. I think Tank is a guy that maybe he isn't showing up right now. And by the way, when we say not showing up, Go back right. and watch the beginning of that game. Yeah. That first series, yeah, that was the tank show. And that's that's why that's why people have the expectations is because there are moments in games where you see it and you're mm-hmm. like, that's what I'm talking about. That's why they pay him the big bucks. It's just in other moments, it's not there. But that, that first series, he made some outstanding plays, I thought. I mean, just his ability to be able to get around blocks, get off blocks, and then make a tackle. Like He made some really good plays. So, yeah, I, don't, I think there are a lot – there are probably – Four or five guys I would think have a chance of being the best player on this defense before I would get to jail. Again, we're, we're, I know we're going to break, but Mike Nolan knows how to coach defense. He knows how to figure things out. No, he does. He's been around too long not to know he, he knows how to coach defense. He's trying to figure out what he's got here. Is this the same D-Law you saw on tape, the same Griffin, the same Poe, all that stuff? You watch. They'll start mixing in some blitzes and things like that here and there to kind of be disruptive. I, he's been in this league too long not to figure it out on a week-to-week basis. You know, I think the lack of preseason, lack of training camp, some of those things, I think he'll start to turn things around. All right, let's go to our final break. We'll come back. Now we're going to talk coaching, and we're going to talk special teams and coaching and how that all has worked out these first two games. When we come back, this is DallasCowboys.com Radio. Since 1865, Stetson hats are American-made with pride right here in Texas. And Stetson is proud to be on the field with America's team. Want to show your Texas and team pride, too? You can. 
By purchasing your own Stetson, you can look just like how the flag guys do on field at every home game. Stetson Hats, the official crown of all self-respecting Cowboys and your favorite football team. Get yours today at shop.dallascowboys.com or at stetson.com. I'm Jay Novacek, former tight end for the Dallas Cowboys. Back in the day, I was the guy who always got the tough yards, and that's why I run with John Deere today. In fact, I have a John Deere 3025E tractor that can handle any yard work I need to do, even the tough yards way out back. So if you have one acre or a thousand, John Deere has the equipment that's just right for you. Visit a John Deere dealer today and run with us. We are the official tractor provider of your Dallas Cowboys. Want to use what the pros use? How about the official men's skincare brand of the Dallas Cowboys, Jack Black? Right now, you can get the Jack Black Starter, a curated collection of Cowboys locker room favorites for just 10 bucks with free shipping. The starter includes four Jack Black skincare favorites plus a full-sized intense therapy lip balm. Go to getjackblack.com cowboys and use the code word TEAMJB. That's getjackblack.com cowboys. The Jack Black Starter, 10 bucks, free shipping. We're back with a tasty treat that's sweeping airwaves and taste buds. It's new Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. Let's take a listen. Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda's here. A new combo that's music to my ears, okay. Let's play. Cream Soda and Dr. Pepper time. Pour it in a glass of ice. Ah, music to my ears and mouth. New Dr. Pepper and Cream Soda. A delicious duet. Back. To the break. After this game, the Cowboys have three straight home games. We want to know, are you coming to the game next weekend? If you are, make sure you know before you go. You wear a mask, keep distance, prepared for cashless transactions. Please be aware of all safe stadium policies prior to arriving at AT&T Stadium. Visit DallasCowboys.com slash safe stadium for details. We're Cowboys at Seattle this week, but after that, home, home, home. Yep. Home. All right, we're in the final segment of the break. And uh, this segment, we're going to talk about coaching a little bit. And I want to talk about it from two different facets. I first want to start and talk a little bit about special teams. And they brought in uh, Coach Fossil um, as what what most people consider one of the better uh, special teams coaches in the NFL. And I think through two games, the one thing that we've seen is he has ideas. Like That's the one thing about special teams. You look at some teams, and special teams is really just like, kick the ball off, try to make sure nobody scores on you, Like, just keep the status quo. It seems like his philosophy on this is we can change games. like We can make things happen, and his head coach buys into it. They've had two fake punts that they've tried, haven't converted either one, but they tried. Uh, they had, obviously, the biggest play of the game, in my opinion, on Sunday, which was the onside kick where, again, they did something that you haven't seen teams do. They, the way he kicked the ball there, they call it, I've heard called the water, water, watermelon kick, but you know the way they kicked the ball, it's new and different. That all being said, how would you assess his, at least what you've seen, the philosophy with regards to special teams and being willing to try more things and be a bit more aggressive? Let's start first with you, Nick. I think you know he's innovative. I mean, he, that's 
that's all he does. I mean, he just lives and breathes. I mean, he's being special teams, trying to trying to one up the rules. Uh, and and I say that like, okay, this is the this is the new rule for special. I mean, for onside kicks, it's hard to get this. The players can't have a running start. You have to do something creative. Do something slow that will work. Try to play mind tricks on the four guys that that won't actually touch the ball when they could. I mean, do whatever you've got to do. To figure out how to get that ball to go ten and a half yards. But I thought. You know, I, I just think he's 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 a really good coach, um, and he's you know he he just trying to figure out different ways to make this work. And even from the kickoff, if you look at it, I mean he's, I mean they know that that there's 40 percent of all kickoffs have a penalty in it. That's why Zerline's not kicking it into the net. He's popping it up, trying to get it down so they can get you know better field position. Don't know why Tony Pollard keeps running it out seven yards deep, but but <laughs> yeah, I haven't figured that one out either. But they'll they'll, they'll figure it out. I, I think he's a great addition. All right, Dave. I I love this guy. He's it's. I mean, it bums me out that you know we're doing all we're doing this season via COVID, and I haven't really gotten a chance to get to know him because he's, he's just a breath of fresh air. Like he's always excited. <laughs> he's always in a good mood. And I freaking I love his his confidence and his his go getter attitude. I mean, we can talk about the special team stuff, but if you go back to week one, somebody asked him, you know, as the special teams coordinator, how do you feel when they pass up on a chance for an easy field goal to go for it on a fourth and three? And he was like, Hell yeah, I love it. Hundred percent of the time. He's I don't know if we lost Dave there. I think we may have lost Dave there for a second. Uh, Amber, why don't we go to you? Let's talk a little bit about the special teams and what the coach is doing there. You like it? You don't like it? Are you talking to me now? Yes. Yeah. Amber. <laughs> he was saying some good stuff, too. I know. I, he, was on a, he was on a roll, and I, we, I think we just lost him. All right. Well, I'll give uh... – Am I back? Yes, you're back. Oh boy, I'm sorry. I don't. I'm sorry, y'all. Uh, yeah, I was on a roll. Damn it, it's fine. Um, oh no, he said yesterday. Somebody was like, they asked him about the first fake punt that failed, and he was like, "When we do it again, we'll get it." And I was like, "I love your confidence, my man. That's awesome." Um, he he's just fun. I like his aggressive attitude. Uh, his attention to detail. He also somebody asked him yesterday, "Did you kick?" the onside kick toward the Dallas sideline on purpose so that Atlanta's coaches wouldn't be able to yell at their players about what to do. And he laughed and said, no comment, which means yes, by the way. Right. Um, so I love that he took the time to think of that. Like that's, that's again, that's the type of stuff that we would have complained that the old coaching staff doesn't think that far ahead or mm -hmm. think that minutely about it. So I, I got a lot to say about it clearly. Cause I'm, I'm a big fan of this guy. Yep, me too. What do you think, Amber? Well, I, I love him as well. I think that he's he's great, and I do have full confidence that special teams will keep improving as the season goes on. And one of the things I remember he said in one of his initial interviews when he first got here with Dallas, um, I remember him saying that his hope is to make special team players feel like they matter, like they are important, just as important as any of the other guys. And that that stuck to me at the time because I'm like, huh, that, that, that's a, I love that kind of mentality because you need to make every person feel like they matter. So 
the, the his whole mentality. I absolutely love him. I think that the game changing, like the the way that he's choosing these and making these decisions that could be game changing plays. That goes along with what he said initially about making players feel like they matter. Like this play is important. We're gonna make it happen. We have a chance to make a game changing decision here and all that. So I I, I just think. They're going to keep doing better. There's, there's been mistakes. It, it all goes back to execution, but players will keep improving, especially when you got that type of leader leading them. I think that, that they're just going to get better. Let's extend out, Nick, and I'm going to ask you this question. Let's extend out to the, the broader head coach um, and some of the decisions that he's made so far in two weeks. You think about this. In two weeks, Cowboys have had two fake punts. They've had a two-point conversion attempt that they tried – earlier than some people thought they should have. Uh, they had a 46-yard field goal at the end of that game, which we didn't talk about yesterday, but they settled for 46 yeah. yards. And and they probably could have been a little more aggressive, tried to get more yards. They settled for 46. It worked out, but they settled for 46. Um, and then they had the fourth down attempt in week one, uh, where instead of taking the easy field goal, they attempt a fourth down conversion. Now, all of those, except for settling for the 46-yarder, went against them. Right now, when you look at the coaching decisions that have been made, he's obviously a very, very aggressive coach. That being said, though, do you think that this is a problem or do you think it's just a different way of doing things that we're all going to have to adjust to because he's just more aggressive? The, a different way of doing it. I mean, just just completely different way of, of uh, you know, figuring out how to manage a game. And, and you know, where right now he's, he's one and one. I mean, that's uh, that's. Probably, I'm not gonna say he's gonna be 50-50 all, all year long, but but yeah, I mean we're I, we're everybody would do you know things differently. We say it all the time. We joke around. You coach your team, I'll coach my team, and literally he coaches his team. He does it uh, his way. And there's some people that that believe that they only won the game because he went for two. Uh, I'm 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 not necessarily a believer in that at all, but I, I just think there are some people think that that actually worked out for them and why that they won, but. You know, I, I like his, his ideas. They're different. They're, they're new and fresh. You're not going to agree with all of them. Amber. I, I, I like it. It's very different than, than what we were used to, and that's what we've been asking for the past couple of years. So I can't complain now that, that we're actually seeing it happen. But at the same time, I think uh, – it, it, you also have to put some blame into the players. I think that there has been some calls that were good and risky, but it just comes down to execution and the players actually making the play happen. But then again, that goes into coaching as well because at the same time, you as a coach are supposed to know and have a good feel of what your players can actually do and make happen. So it, it, it's just a balance in between. So to be fair, uh, there is some blame to go around as far as the players uh, making the play happen. But I, I, I love what I'm seeing. Some questionable things, but had they worked out to their advantage, we would be talking about how amazing and great and unbelievable this coaching staff is, especially Mike McCarthy. But it just it hasn't necessarily fully worked out just yet. But I do think, just like I said about special teams, I do think that as time goes on, they're going to be able to improve and get better. The more they keep practicing together, obviously those uh, the preseason was crucial for everyone around the league. We know that. But uh, I think given time, we'll be able to be cheering more than being questioning those play calls. Dave, what do you think? 
I absolutely and unequiv unequivocally love it. And that's even, you know, that's even, I, I still don't, I don't love the two-point conversion call. We don't have to do all that again. But give me the coach that's going to do that stuff. Give me the coach. I mean, God, how much time have we spent talking about whether or not Mike McCarthy cares about analytics? I mean, that's that's what that is. That's that's what that is. Uh, I, mean, I didn't like the second fake punt call. I don't care. I'm always going to be in favor of being aggressive to give your team the best chance to win. I mean, we spent eight years complaining about Garrett, and I feel like what a lot of people are saying is, I want you to be aggressive when it's fourth and two on the opponent's 35-yard line. Like, that's that's not aggressive. That's obvious. So I love this idea of thinking outside the box. Um, I say keep doing it because I think they have the talent that it'll it'll pay off way more often than not, even though we haven't seen it through. But keep doing it. All right. Uh, Nick, real quick, you had a, a little story you wanted to give us before we end the show. I forgot to tell you all this yesterday. I thought this was this was funny. At the end of the game, it's not related to Fossil. End of the game, I'm like running down to try to get to the elevator to get down to the field right after right after the kick. Everyone's going nuts. There's about 13 guys in front of me in this hallway. They're huge guys too, and they're all pissed, and they're all you know kind of cussing. And I'm trying to weave through to get through the elevator and all that. Get there, and then if six or seven of them get on the elevator. It's not really safe distancing on there. And it turns out it's the Falcons practice squad that they sit up in a suite or whatever, mm -hmm. and they're pissed off because they, they can't believe it. And one guy was like, man, I wasn't here, but this has got to be the same feeling for losing that, that Super Bowl like that. And I'm just thinking, eh, that's probably not the same probably feeling. Probably not the same close. <laughs> not the same. He's like, now yeah. I know how, no, he said, now I know how those guys fell after you know, losing the Super Bowl like this. And I'm just yeah. like, hmm, I don't think that's – actually the same at all but it's just funny when you think about the practice squad they travel these guys that you know and then they're up there they're pissed off too and the another funny thing is cj goodwin i saw, told dave this yesterday he actually was on the falcons for that that game in the super bowl and all that and then here he is but oh, wow. three yeah. years later recovering you know watermelon yeah sugar high down there spinning there and makes it makes the play no i, I <laughs> even though it wasn't that, that would have been the headline if we knew of that all was, yeah go ahead dave of all the people to make the Harry Styles joke on this show, I would have not guessed it would be you. I would have not guessed that. Yep. That would have been the headline of that if we knew that was called the watermelon kick. Oh, yeah. No if, doubt about yeah. it. Oh, now we know. Absolutely. And we'll never see that kick again. Oh, probably not. All right, guys. We appreciate you joining us. We're back tomorrow. we got Bucky Brooks joining us, as he does every week. He's going to talk to us about the Seattle offense and good luck with that one that's going to be an interesting uh, conversation we'll have with him till then for nick eatman dave hellman amber garcia i am Derek eagleton this has been the break live on dallascowboys.com radio this has been a production of dallascowboys.com and the dallas cowboys football club how about this cowboys yeah!